All right, welcome to episode 29 of Seize the Moment podcast. Today we're going to talk about something very interesting, very near and dear to our hearts, uh, the pros and cons of pessimism and optimism. And by the way, before we start, I'm going to point out the elephant in the room. Uh, you can see I have no hair. Decided to do an experiment. Why not? Just for fun. Uh, Saul is balding. I was thinking, hey man, take the plunge. Let's see what it will look like if you take it all off. It's not so bad. Like, I could see myself. I'm looking at the camera right now. It's not bad, but it's definitely very weird. Mm-hmm. I've not acclimated to this. This is just like since yesterday. Gotten okay feedback. Mm-hmm. What do you think? It sounds like you're a glass half full kind of guy. That's it. <laughs> it's not like it's not like it looks good. It looks bad. It's like you sound like a glass half full. Kind it sounds of guy. like everything is okay. That's true. <laughs> so anyway, on and to why the, do you need my validation anyway? Feedback is important. <laughs> I don't need. Actually, we should do an episode on validation, what? whether you need validation or not. Yeah, well, and when is it enough validation for self-esteem? That's right. All right, cool. Yeah, but All right, anyway. what you got? So. Would you consider yourself an optimist or a pessimist? Naturally, pessimist. Really? Why? Yeah, oh my god, man. Uh, so that one, it's a hard question to answer, I guess. So it's partially genetic, obviously. So, uh, well, obviously for the people who kind of understand, I guess, or study psychology. So it's partially genetic, and then it's also partially shit from my childhood, because, like, uh, whatever, stuff that I talked about writing, you know, pretty much on past episodes, life was kind of shitty when I was a kid. So then I was like, oh, great. So like everybody kind of sucks and the world is pretty shitty. So my kind of thinking was influenced by that. And then depression runs in my family. So like for me to, to like change my way of thinking, like I have to actually work on it. Wow. Yeah. What about you? Me? Nowadays, I would definitely consider myself more of an optimist. Mm-hmm. I try to be realistic as well. Mm-hmm. Like I do like the idea of, you know, taking a look at every single variable mm-hmm. that might come up in my mind about a situation or an anticipated event. Mm-hmm. And I try to kind of have them all kind of floating around and kind of decide how things might go in order to predict the situation. So in that sense, I might have a certain, like uh, like a characteristic of a pessimist mm-hmm. who would think of all possible realities and take the time to do that and mm-hmm. all that. But I do tend to like to pick the one that I think is the best of all possible realities, but is still as close to realistic as as possible. Mm-hmm. So you could argue I'm somewhere in the middle, okay. but I do tend to lean towards optimism. Mm-hmm. That might be just some kind of like a yeah. biased response. And I, is, is that the case, like that's how, how it's always been, or is it something you have to work toward? Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've definitely been a pessimist mm-hmm. i used to think that the i used to prepare for the worst possible scenario mm-hmm. actually in some cases i still do mm-hmm. but i would prepare for the worst possible scenario so this way if that's what was going to happen i would be prepared and i can kind of act accordingly mm-hmm. i would never imagine like the best of all possible realities and aim towards that mm-hmm. Um, I would just kind of think what's the worst possible thing that can happen and sort of go by that. And that had, there is a validity to that view, Mm -hmm. right? But I suppose there were blind spots maybe to better paths I could have taken, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Um, it's definitely caused me a lot of, uh, a lot of that thinking. (coughs) Oh, first sneeze on the show. We're going to edit that out. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) so... 
Why did that sneeze throw me off? No, I'm just kidding. Because you weren't expecting it. I wasn't expecting it. You should it. have. See, if you were pessimistic, you would have been prepared. That's right. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, like, I always prepare for your coughs. That's true. Yeah. Not I'm kidding. Yet. I'm kidding. Not yet, though. <laughs> always before the show. Nobody knows about that. But yeah, you were saying how you were naturally pessimistic and then you had to work on it. The journey. Yeah, so... Um, I used to be very neurotic with my thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, think of and, and it just caused a lot of unnecessary. You could say unnecessary suffering while kind of contemplating all these realities. It's also like it's like kind of like that Martin uh, Martin uh, sorry uh, Mark Twain quote. Mm. Uh, many something about he the many things that he's imagined mm-hmm. going wrong. On, like only some like. Oh my god, I can't remember. It's sort of like the Epictetus quote, where he says pretty much that the anxieties that we focus on are way more, or way, I guess, way more distant from reality than we think. Yes, mm. and then also something something along the lines of, like, um, I've experienced lots of many bad things, something along those lines, mm-hmm. and then, but some of them, most of them never happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. same thing as Epictetus was saying, right, right, right. It's like most of our fears are imagined. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, I mean... But there, there were definitely good things about being a pessimist. Mm-hmm. Like I would imagine, since I would imagine all these different possibilities mm-hmm. of things that can go wrong and all that, it put a lot more of my thinking power into uh, how I would deal with certain situations. Right. So it kind of exercise that muscle of sort of seeing all these different perspectives that uh, from where something you know how things can go. Yeah. That made my thinking. A little more balanced because then I'd start to think what is this person thinking or how how does this variable influence this situation like this instead of just kind of being like single-minded mm-hmm. although there is there is something to be said about being single-minded in, mm-hmm. in, in your approach and, and that kind of focus yeah. that level of focus is amazing actually mm-hmm. and the things that you can accomplish with uh, extreme focus is is definitely not something to be like scoffed at for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, yeah. So actually, uh, before we started doing this uh, show, we were looking at the work of uh, Martin Seligman, mm-hmm. and uh, he used to be uh, president of the APA, American Psychological Association. Uh, he's a uh, clinical. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, he was a clinical psychologist. Uh, wrote uh, many books, mm-hmm. um, also self help books as well, yeah. and a lot of them are referred to by other clinical psychologists and therapists to like kind of reference his work Mm -hmm. like up there yes (laughs) so um there's a book he wrote uh it's called uh learned optimism Mm -hmm. right and he actually discussed uh what are some of the pros and cons of or or not even pros and cons he he would talk about the differences between what a pessimist is like Mm -hmm. and what an optimist is like Mm -hmm. and uh for example uh, one thing, just one thing that he happened to know was that uh, pessimists, um, they tend to get uh, sick more often. Mm-hmm. They tend to um, blame them. They find fault in themselves. Uh, for example, um, let's see. Actually, I have it written down. Yeah, sure. so yeah. Whatever. I was going to do it all off the top of my head. but Unnecessary. So, so a pessimist tends to uh, give up. Uh, more easily, mm-hmm. is more easily depressed, yeah. ill, ill more frequently. Yeah. Uh, an optimist tends to achieve more, has better health, right. lives longer. Uh, and according to uh, research that was cited in his book, mm-hmm. um, lower cancer rates as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't have that particular uh, citation, right. but that's okay. We can refer to the book if uh-huh. anything. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, uh, it, it looks like uh, pessimists have a certain like explanatory style that's yeah. different from an optimist. And do you remember yeah. in terms of like his work, how did he define the two terms? Like, what did it mean to be optimistic and pessimistic to him? Well, um, the optimist tends to see the best of all possible worlds, mm-hmm. and the pessimist tends to be more grounded towards um, reality, but also kind of this sort of negative. Um, you would think they think that the negative is more likely to happen, right. or they prepare for the negative, mm-hmm. um, whereas the optimist would prepare for the positive. Yeah, and I would have, I would I guess guess that it would probably exist on the spectrum, where like sort of the extreme version of a pessimism is somebody who already expects negativity, not just prepares for it, or I guess not only believes that it's likely, but probably thinks that it's inevitable. Whereas the sort of pure optimist, if that even exists, believes that everything sort of positive is inevitable. Right. So actually, in his work, he does discuss that there's a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy that takes place. Mm-hmm. For example, for a pessimist, if you're expecting negative, mm-hmm. you're you're pretty much going to take yourself down a trajectory yeah. that uh, will allow for more negative negativity to occur. Mm-hmm. This is not to say something along the lines of... Because uh, here's the thing. Uh, it, it, scientifically, it makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. If you expect something bad is going to happen... Mm-hmm. And, and you're preparing for that, then it's not like we're saying anything uh, quote-unquote woo-woo, mm-hmm. right? It's like uh, if you expect something positive to happen, you will, the self-fulfilling prophecy, you'll, you'll have more positive right. things. Like I that. think what you're saying is that there's a kind of middle ground, which is your behavior and the way you present yourself. Exactly. Right? Your, mm-hmm. your behavior is subtly affected by these expectations. Right. Sometimes then, even not so subtly. And sometimes yeah. not even not so subtly. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, so... Yeah, there, there's an aspect to that. There's this self-fulfilling prophecy that takes place. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, this goes without saying, really, but, I mean, you would think that being an optimist would be the ideal way mm-hmm. to go about things, right? You expect the positive. You would then kind of uh, encourage events to kind of go down a certain path that would be beneficial to you, perhaps even others, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But um, I would argue that pessimism has something to it too mm-hmm. uh, for example you you wouldn't want your uh, accountant to be an optimist mm-hmm. or maybe you would I'm not sure but I mean say say your accountant's like hey uh, I think that I think that uh, you're you're doing just fine with your finances I think we can expect you to make uh, more money next year all of that and have all these like sorts I mean this is very general mm-hmm. as far as examples go mm-hmm. But I suppose you kind of want your accountant to be a little more um, conservative in their thinking or like if they're a pessimist, they would kind of uh, prepare for the worst Mm -hmm. in terms of uh, your finances. They would think like, no, you need to save this much in case this happens. You need to uh, or what if you don't make this much money next year? Mm -hmm. You need to prepare for that. So, um, so I think what you, at least my interpretation, I think what you're saying is that you want him to veer closer to the pessimistic end of the spectrum than be too optimistic. Yeah, mm-hmm. or or even let's let's take gambling for mm-hmm. for instance, right? Mm-hmm. If you're a, a very optimistic gambler, mm-hmm. of course, yes, you would take higher risks. Yeah. Higher risks tend to mean higher rewards if you do, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if you're successful, but. If you're a pessimist with your gambling, mm-hmm. you may <laughs> you may decide not to take those risks and end up losing like a lot of money. Or right. or let's relate. You'd it to be the reckless. Money. You could be reckless because you're like, yeah, who cares anyway? Right. right. I'm gonna lose it, so might as well have fun. Sometimes people unfortunately think that way. 
Or the or the lottery playing the lottery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's also true. It's like an optimist might tend to buy up all those lottery tickets every week or every day or something like yeah. that. Pessimist might think, no, this the, the statistics aren't in my favor. Mm-hmm. Why would I play the lottery? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's worth it. Yeah, that actually tends to be the way I go about it. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so you could say in that aspect, I tend to lean towards pessimism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I feel like it's a just as an aside, mm-hmm. feels like a waste of resources. Mm-hmm. Like, because for a chance to win such a like a huge amount of money, but then you you keep losing. Yeah. On the path That's to that, pretty much gambling in a nutshell. Yeah. Uh-huh. Interesting how people do it. And so, like with optimism, I think like what's obviously why I do it, and what's really cool about it is um, that even a lot of times I think it's so I think it's much more about the thinking style and it affecting you in terms of your mental health than the actual outcomes. So this is going to be kind of a tricky subject for me to touch on. So the kind of the major thing, the blowback that I get from people in therapy is like, oh, well, you're kind of teaching me bullshit, right? Like I don't want to learn like your positive like thinking crap, right? They don't say it like that, but it's something along those lines. And so what I try to kind of focus on is that first I. Tell them that what I want to do is help you become more of a realistic thinker, right? Rather than a positive or a negative thinker. Because if you're too positive, what happens is like you pretty much you're you're sort of um you're not concerned with whatever kind of issues are going on in your life. You're like, ah, things will just work themselves out, right? That's too positive on one end of the spectrum. Mm. And then obviously if you're too negative, you're not seeing the good in your life or especially of yourself. And so what I try to tell people is more so than anything is I'm going to help you become a more realistic thinker to the extent that that's possible. Obviously, we're always going to have some sort of level of bias. But the point is that when it comes to optimistic thinking, I think the research that you pointed to was so important is because I don't think it's so much about being like an optimistic thinker in the sense of the good things are going to happen but i think if you are an optimistic thinking thinker you automatically make something good happen because if you're always in a pot not always again because it's not supposed to be absolute but if you're more so than not in a sort of cheery and positive mood again it does not have to be absolute and shouldn't because we should experience the plethora of, of our feelings but for people who are more optimistic they're just generally happier right they take more care of themselves they have better relationships with people it's like that conversation you and i had when we were talking about when we were talking with liz about stepping out of the house if you expect people to be friendly chances are you'll have more positive interactions yeah yeah yeah. if you expect them to be assholes you're going to shut yourself down and you're not going to want anything to do with them and so the point is not so much about the result of the optimistic thinking in terms of the actual physical consequence I think but I think it's the way it kind of even it's still sort of hard to differentiate so not even that so not, I guess, in the long-term physical consequence of where the optimistic thinking goes, but even in the short-term and how it affects you kind of mentally or emotionally. Mm-hmm. Because that, in a sense, or maybe, wow, this is kind of tough. So maybe it's not the outcome itself at all that we should focus on, whether it's the short-term or the long-term. But it's the fact that if we are more optimistic in our thinking, that we just feel much better, right? So even if, like, let's even push aside the fact that we're nicer to people and people are nicer to us. Like, we just generally feel better, like, throughout the day if we feel much more sort of happier or kind of, like, safer in our world. So whether or not that's true, I mean, that's, I think, something else. And obviously the preference is that you're more realistic in your thinking. Mm -hmm. But if you have to choose between optimistic or pessimistic, I think the thing thinking in itself should be or the sort of emotional effect of the thinking in itself can be a lot for or enough for a lot of people in terms of just choosing that one over the pessimism what's interesting is uh that you touched on uh with our conversation with liz Mm -hmm. about expectations about people Mm -hmm. so once upon a time um this is when i was working on becoming a little more uh confident Mm -hmm. there was uh, a mindset that i tried to embrace Mm -hmm verbatim 
everyone in the world is your friend. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, it's not that I didn't think like that beforehand, but there was this thing about uh, strangers not knowing how to just like kind of talk to somebody right off the bat, not knowing anything about them. Mm -hmm. I used to require more information in order to engage in conversation with someone. If I didn't know, why take the risk? Right. Something like that. Mm-hmm. And that would be my pessimistic right. view. Both unrealistic, right? Whether optimistic or pessimistic. But you, I think what you're saying is you chose the sort of the more preferable form of thinking because it was more helpful well, to you. Well, check, check this out. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I trained myself mm-hmm. to try to embrace that mindset. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I did uh, fully, mm-hmm. but in pursuing... Um, attempting to embrace that sort of mindset where let's say everyone in the world is my friend like everywhere I go this is a potential person I can yeah. uh, meet they're probably not so different from myself mm-hmm. uh, maybe they have the same fears that I have about meeting new people mm-hmm. this kind of puts us on a sort of even playing field mm-hmm. and that actually dramatically changed my my ability to communicate with people Right. so um, I wouldn't say that I fully embrace that everyone in the world is my friend because mm-hmm. I don't even know how to really measure that right. to, to the extent of how to... That's really cool. Wow. Yeah. So it's like you're saying that instead of sort of realistic thinking, you just chose optimistic thinking. Not in the sense of you fully bought into it as in did you believe it? Oh, it's like that behavior... I tried to. Oh, I, yeah, I tried to fully buy into it. But it's it. like you're acting as if that's true. Remember that term that we talked about from behaviorism? It's like when we say that don't necessarily, you don't have to believe it, right? Because your brain's just, or your brain can't just necessarily accept something as a fact because you want it to. But act as if you believe it. So it's like, wow, this is so interesting. So it's like kind of like the middle ground. So I, the middle ground within the middle ground. It's like optimistic thinking is fully buying into life being great. Realist, I mean, I'm sorry, pessimistic thinking is fully buying into that life is shit. Realistic thinking is kind of trying your best to see the world as it is and then even within realistic thinking you can actually just hold on to optimistic thinking while not buying into it just to see kind of what would happen and if life would be different yeah mm-hmm. yeah like something to kind of shoot towards yeah right wow. so it's kind of like seeing the benefit of thinking in a positive way mm-hmm. without i suppose um well i was about to say without buying into some sort of delusion yes but that's not exactly... It's not a delusion to think that everyone is your friend or something Technically like that. Technically it is. So in the clinical sense, right? I don't... Not in an offensive sense of like um, like you're crazy, but in the sense of like you're you're believing something without any actual evidence for it, right? And it's like this rigidly held belief, right? Which may even be contested and you're like, no, I don't care. I'm still going to believe in it. So mm-hmm. technically it is a delusion and it's not meant to be an offensive term. Well, either, either way, something... Yeah, I like it as something to shoot towards right. because... It kind of, um, it's interesting what it does to you. Like, uh, for me, again, like the kinds of people that I ended up meeting Mm -hmm. and interacting with, if I didn't embrace that kind of mindset, I would have been more shut off. I'm already kind of an introvert naturally anyway, Mm -hmm. but I would have been more locked up in that. So, um, which is why Martin uh, Seligman's book is interesting. Mm -hmm. It's it's literally called Learned Optimism. Mm -hmm. He actually takes you through... The process of attempting to learn to be more optimistic and and by kind of highlighting what are the character traits of someone who's a pessimist what are the character traits of someone who's an optimist and kind of breaking down the mindsets that kind of uh, mm-hmm. uh, that each kind of person would have it kind of helps kind of organize things in your own mind to kind of find that place in yourself where you could attempt to 
maybe learn to be more um, optimistic if you were coming more from that uh, mm-hmm. pessimistic spectrum right. or pessimistic side of things. So what are the traits of an optimist? Traits of an optimist. <laughs> Putting me on the spot, <laughs> Leon. Um, Do you remember? It's okay if you don't. I mean, they're more they're more optimistic. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Like for example, someone who is an optimist has more of like a a can do attitude. Like gotcha. I can do this. Right, right. Someone so, who is a, so a high sense sense of self efficacy. Where they believe they can kind of master their environment, or they at least believe that they can they can attempt to do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Say say even an optimist fails mm-hmm. in their attempts to in undertaking some sort of task. Instead of thinking that okay I failed mm-hmm. that's it yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, don't try again. Mm-hmm. They have more of that, uh, to go back to that growth-based mindset, mm-hmm. they think that they can attempt to uh, try this again. Maybe certain uh, variables weren't in the, their proper place in order oh, for things I to occur. You. So they sort of look at failure from the context of circumstance rather than like blaming themselves. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Thank you for saying that. Mm-hmm. Yes, that brings me back actually. Yeah. Okay. So a pessimist, for instance, would think that it's their fault yeah. if they would, let's say they think they're stupid or something like that. They wouldn't think that it's possible that they can learn, they, that they can educate themselves. Mm-hmm. That, it, that there's, um, I have a quote sure. here. Um, where is it? Um, People who believe themselves stupid rather than uneducated don't take action to improve their mind. Right. So the optimist would just think, you know, okay, I didn't get it this time. Maybe I'll get it next time. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe I can try this thing or that thing. Mm-hmm. I, c- I can try again. Mm-hmm. Pessimist, it wouldn't it wouldn't work out the way. And of course, there are varying degrees of pessimism. Maybe somebody <coughs> who is an extreme pessimist mm-hmm. would then would fully stop. Maybe someone who's not so pessimistic, maybe they wouldn't gravitate towards like forever not taking any sorts of action. Mm-hmm. But Again, they do tend towards to lean towards the negative. Right, so right? there'd be just minimal risk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. But, uh, I mean, in, in your experience, right, um, would you say you're more optimistic these days than you used to be? or? Yeah, most definitely, man. So, just obviously learning psychology helps a lot. And so, I try my best not to... Not to so, I actually try not... This is like... This kind of sucks. So, it's not necessarily that great of a thing. So, what research shows is that people who are... So, people who are mildly, majorly depressed, right? Which is something that I've struggled with. And I'm kind of like sort of there on that sort of like... um In that hum level. Currently? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. It's, like, it's something that doesn't really go away. It's, cool. It's something that's like something... It's like it's there, but it's like... It's, I'm high-functioning, right? So, I could do all of these other things. But then like there are like, you know, kind of these moments where I'm like, oh, everything sucks, right? So, what research shows is that people who are mildly, majorly depressed, right? They're actually more pessimistic, right? So, they, or rather they're realistic, one could say. So, now... I'm sorry, not that they're more pessimistic, they're more realistic. So people who are mildly, not, and just to, for because the, the nuance here is important, because sometimes people say, oh, well, depressed people are really realistic thinkers, and that's not true. So people who are mildly depressed are really realistic thinkers. So the shitty thing for me is that because, like, I'm, like, super um, critical, and not in the sense of, like, um, I attack people, but critical in the sense of analytical. So my mind, like, I, I can't force myself to believe bullshit, right? So even if I try to act as if a lot of times, it, it, it's very hard to. I'm not saying it's impossible for me, but it takes a ton of effort. So for me, realistic thinking is pretty much now, at least, like the natural response. So I'm not, I'm not pessimistic as I was before. At least not, 
not fully, right? For the most part, I'm pretty, I would say I'm more realistic, right? And again, I'm probably still more toward the pessimistic spectrum in the sense of there are times and kind of these little clusters of moments where I'm like, oh, this isn't going anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Podcast being a great example, right? I've had many moments where I'm like, this isn't going anywhere. I'm like, why are we doing this? Even though there's no evidence for it, right? But for the most part, I'm more realistic than not. So I can say, okay, it's not great, but it's not bad either, right? So it's like something in the middle. So... Unfortunately, with that, I'm not happy most of the time, right? Because I do see things, or at least to whatever extent I think. I don't even know. So I see things as they are. I don't, maybe I don't, but whatever. The point is, that's why kind of like for me, mild major depression is usually my natural state because for the most part, I have realistic thinking. So if, like if I had to or if I wanted to really try optimistic thinking and to cultivate it, it would go so deeply against my nature. And so what we know about personalities is that unfortunately, they don't change much over time. So for me to go from like a hardcore pessimist to something sort of in the middle like be, you know being a realist is a major fucking accomplishment so, yeah 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 so i'm not even like that upset about it so for me to say that like i struggle with mild major depression is actually a really wonderful thing because a long time ago i was deeply depressed and i was super pessimistic and if you were to ask me like where my life was going i would have been like nowhere it's terror everything is just terrible so for me to go from that to the realistic part of the sort of i guess the spectrum it was a really good thing and so do i ever see myself like actually being more of an optimist absolutely not so there are moments where i feel optimistic so it's not it's not one of those things that's black and white so like let's say in the, for the most part i'm in the middle i'm realistic right let's say if we had to quantify it let's say 50 percent i'm realistic right or maybe a little more let's say 60 percent i'm realistic right then maybe 25% I'm, yeah, so 25% I'm pessimistic and like 15% I'm optimistic, right? So there's these little pockets like where something good happens to us and I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like something really great is gonna happen. But if I had to quantify it, it happens very rarely. But it's like, I'm all over kind of the place. Hmm. You ever? That's, uh, wait, wait, yeah, what were you gonna ask? Well, yeah, I wanna hear you. So one thing I wanted to say is um, that whole, so first of all, that sounds healthy, yeah. right? And also the fact that there's a, a marked sort of increase compared to like how you were years ago mm-hmm. compared to now. Yeah. Progress is progress at the end of the day. Even if like, uh, it's not like, oh, I'm a superhuman now. I have a complete uh, positive outlook and I could still somehow acknowledge all the uh, negative, <laughs> but then pick the best possible course of action. Right. Also, I never react to anything. Yes. But somehow I respond perfectly. <laughs> right. And also, I'm completely zenned out. I don't have any erroneous thoughts. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. It's, yeah. you know... That's the I ideal, mean, most definitely. It's an ideal. It's right. something to shoot towards, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And if you're already better, like, uh, now than you were before, mm-hmm. what? Wh- who's going to ask more? That's already... That's fantastic. Yeah. That's... Even even if you're 1% different today than you were years ago, mm-hmm. which is not the case, but say it was, I hear you. still some kind of difference, something to work with, right? Yeah. And it's not that I hate it. I mean, it sucks, obviously, during the down moments. I'm like, when I do feel more pessimistic than not. But I mean, I try, obviously, my best to use, like, the CBT stuff and the tools that I've learned, like, pretty much to kind of try to... CBD? CBT. Um, no, not, definitely joking. not I'm CBD. Joking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hear <laughs> <So>. <laughs> But, like, yeah, pretty much to try to overcome it. So, look, and I'm not even saying it always works, because sometimes it doesn't, because sometimes 
sometimes the intuitions are really fucking strong. But the point is that more more like not than I'm okay. Like if you ever so you know how like you ask people like hey how are you doing and they say good and like a lot of times they're full of shit. I'm not like that. Like if I tell you I'm doing good or I'm doing solid, I'm usually doing so like ninety percent of the time I'm not lying. So ten percent probably I am. But like but for the most part like I would probably say if something's wrong. But like if I say I'm doing good, that just means I'm okay. Like I'm content. Everything is fine. Mm. So, um, that thing about, um, you know, uh, where you said like that whole acting as if thing mm -hmm. where you, how should I put this? Where you said that, uh, you have a trouble with that, mm -hmm. right? Because, because of that realistic thinking. Mm -hmm. One thing that actually helped me to act as if, mm -hmm. insert, depends on what we're talking about, mm -hmm. is if somebody who I look up to as like either a role model or uh, somebody just worth respecting, mm -hmm. if they suggest something to me and they said, like, uh, this worked for me, mm -hmm. right? Even if it's something really out there, mm -hmm. right? For example, when I first heard of um, The Power of Now. <laughs> really? You read that book? Have you read The Power of <laughs> Now? Have you heard of this book? No, so, like, when I first read that book, yeah. or before that, mm -hmm. somebody who I really respected suggested it. Mm -hmm. And they seemed like such a balanced thinker. They looked like somebody to me who um, I completely resonated with. Mm -hmm. I thought the, I thought of them as just like this sort of elite level thinker. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, okay, if they're going to suggest this kind of book, mm -hmm. even if this is not something that I'm used to, I will try it. See, you know, I'm going to act as if. Mm -hmm. I didn't say that at the time. I'm going to uh, I might have said something like, I'm going to believe this is real or I'm going to act as if I believe this is real. Same, same thing. thing. Same, same thing. Same guy, same I just didn't use that phrase. Mm -hmm. I just don't want to, you know, be yeah. dishonest with that. <laughs> I like I that. That's really honestly, damn, that's really cool. But I hear you. Yeah, so it was mm -hmm. basically that line of thinking. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I, I, so I tried it and then it worked for me only because somebody who I had trusted had suggested this, mm -hmm. right? Um, if, let's say... I don't know, like say I was already, this This is a bad example sort of because I already think the way I do, mm -hmm. but say I was uh, pessimistic uh, or um, uh, I don't know, depressed, I, I didn't know anything about psychology, then I heard somebody like Jason Silva mm -hmm. talking about flow yeah. and awe mm -hmm. and the way he gets really en enamored, like he gets, uh, when he gets in line with his speaking mm -hmm. and he starts talking very passionately about um, uh, the state, current state of technology, or 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 how to get into a flow state. Mm -hmm. uh, his conversations with, uh, for example, Stephen Kotler about get, getting into flow and things like along that uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Because I respect him, I would then try to learn more about what that is, and then try to see if uh, I can get into a flow state or something like that. It, it would just kind of spark my interest. Thank you. Before that, if I didn't know about what it is, if just some if a friend told me about it, mm -hmm. depending on who that friend is, I might just kind of be like, "Oh, that's cool. That worked for you. Cool," and then still go on about what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. But when it's like if somebody I really respect, I'll actually try something new, mm -hmm. even if it's counter to my own um, current common sense. Mm -hmm. That's why there have been times where I've been open to um, still reading a book that's considered new agey mm -hmm. because I start to think, okay, even if I can't fully buy into everything that's here, mm -hmm. 
for instance, let's say we're talking about energies and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. It's not something that we have so so many empirical studies about that we can... Well, technically, energy is real, just not in the way they describe it. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah, that's the thing. The different like, forms of energy, yeah. Yeah, so, say, so uh, there's there's a book I'm reading currently. I'll admit it, why not? Mm -hmm. There's a book I'm reading, it's called Levels of Energy by Frederick Dotson. Mm -hmm. It's uh, basically, he has this, uh, not to get too much into it, uh, this was recommended by somebody who's a mentor, that's why I decided to check it out, hey. right? Mm -hmm. And also, again, just as a preface, uh, when I look at these things, I try to just take what is most practical mm -hmm. and whatever agrees with my common sense without necessarily going to some place where I can no longer relate it to someone I'm talking to about it. Because you, you start getting into these areas where it's like, if, if you're talking about like, I don't know, say somebody says something about spirits or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's not, it's, I don't know about that uh, world. Mm -hmm. And I'm probably assuming that other people don't necessarily know about it either. Yeah, but if let's say he has something in here, it's like a scale of energy, right? Mm -hmm. Where at the bottom there's like apathy, shame, guilt, like all this kind of suffering stuff. And as you move higher, mm -hmm. uh, like more positive emotions, like uh, like let's say like we have shame, guilt over here. Then we have like anger or something like that. Mm -hmm. Then we have uh, like pride. Then we have uh, just boring routine, functional functionality, something like that. Mm -hmm. Then. Um, uh, uh, working determination, working hard, whatever, and then all these things, right? Okay. Okay. So when he goes through it in his book, uh, everything seems to make sense. Mm -hmm. All that and uh, describes like how people act at these varying energy levels and all that. Mm -hmm. Cool, practical, great. Mm -hmm. uh, but then when he goes into these other areas, it's like I, I can't necessarily relate it to another person, so I won't look at that. Mm -hmm. What was the point of me bringing this up? Right? It's just like if somebody who I trust tells me to check something out, I'll try to look at it and try to mm -hmm. see what's most practical about it. Um, yeah, so that's the thing. So in that sense, like that's my realism mm -hmm. uh, kind of uh, going into it yeah. without necessarily disregarding that source because I don't know. I, I like to think why do p some people think the way they do? Mm -hmm. For instance, say somebody's very religious and all that. I try, I tr and, then, and then maybe they cite a story that, you know, we can't confirm or deny actually occurred in history. Mm -hmm. I still would be interested in their perspective and all that. Mm -hmm. um, I guess my issue starts to come when, like, maybe somebody touts something as being absolutely true. Mm -hmm. And you can't necessarily, I guess, prove it or something like that. I guess that's where my issue, like, I have an issue. I hear you. But uh, I still am interested in those perspectives, even if it's um, something that's not necessarily scientific or academic. Yeah, and that there's that kind of glass half full thinking, that there's something you can learn from almost anything. And you yeah. know what I also wonder? If like the true optimist is not necessarily true, I guess, kind of tough term, but I mean like the kind of, uh, the grounded, let's say, optimist. Yeah, that, ooh, that's a better term. So the grounded... That's op awesome. Thank you. That should be a book title. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know what it We're going to copyright that. <laughs> the grounded optimist. The grounded optimist. Yeah. That's, okay. <laughs> Whatever, you don't even know what it is. So the grounded optimist, I think, is someone who... It's not that they necessarily believe that things will go well, but I think that they don't use mental filtering, right? So where they sort of... Um, so, you know, like the person who mental filters is like the one who like just uh, focuses... or Like this is unconscious, right? So they automatically focus on all of the negative stuff and all of the ways that things can go wrong, right? And the pessimist, the true pessimist is one who focuses on the things that they believe will go wrong. 
And so I think that the sort of the grounded optimist is one that focuses on like knowing that obviously things could go wrong, knowing that things sometimes do go wrong, but they actually actively choose to focus on all of the things that can go right. And then they also cho choose to focus on all of the good in their lives. So it's like you kind of refocus on what's important to you, right? So it's like the grounded optimist is not somebody who's necessarily unaware, like let's say with mental filtering, you're not aware of the positives, right? It's something that your brain just pretends isn't there. So like if somebody is really depressed and you're like, hey, do you think that there's anything good about your life? You'd be like, no, there's absolutely nothing. Like everything is terrible. So the grounded optimist who understands that reality is this kind of mixed bag, I think they would tell you, um, have you ever seen the movie what, The Wackness by any chance? Oh my God, such a good movie. Okay, so in the film, like there's this really great scene with this kid. So he's like just really like the kind of depressed and like really negativistic thinking kid. And so like the girl who he's in love with, she's like, look, man, she's like, you have this really shitty way of looking at life. She's like, you focused on all, of the, you literally focus on all of the whackness of it. She's like, what I do is I focus on all of the dopeness of it, right? And he's like, oh, holy shit, right? She's like, yeah that's why you're so unhappy she's like literally all you think about is like all of the bad stuff unfortunately for like him she didn't really understand that it wasn't something that he was actively doing his mind just literally didn't because that's how depression works your mind unless you become aware of it right your mind just like doesn't believe that there's anything good about your life but i think that the, again going back to the grounded optimist it's somebody who understands that there are bad things that probably or most likely will happen that bad things have happened that there are parts of their lives that they don't really like but they choose instead to focus on the good so they choose to focus on their strengths they choose to focus on the good aspects of their lives the things they've achieved the people that they love, the people that they're around, and they focus on the things that they have to look forward to. And then whenever they have a particular endeavor, right, they try to focus on or they try to tell themselves, that, let's say in terms of a risk assessment, they try to focus on the likelihood, whatever that is for whatever different endeavor of the good that can come out of whatever their, let's say, action or activity is. So it's like they just, they kind of like going back to that glass half full kind of thinking, they say to themselves, okay, so I know what the risk is, let's say in this particular endeavor, right, but I'm going to try to focus on all of the good that can come out of it and then I'm also on top of that going to focus on the immediate good that comes out of it so if it's let's say us starting a podcast right so it's a long journey right we all know that it's something that takes probably years sometimes literally so if for me I think a grounded optimist would say okay like I know that there's a very good chance that this is like a really really good chance right that this isn't going to go like you know where I want it to in the long term so but what I want to do is I want to focus on the potential of it being something like let's say bigger in the long term or being something special and then also on top of that I'm going to focus on all of the good things that I can take away from it in the short term right so what I try to do and this is like my trying to actively be an optimist is I try to focus on the things that I get like now with you and I sitting here right like I learned a ton of stuff from you today which is like really fucking cool which is I'm sure you can tell by my excitement I'm like oh wow like this is great and then on top of that I came up with different ideas for my own self then I'm like holy shit these are connections that I wasn't even able to make before so these are things in the short term that I've taken away and I could tell myself oh so not only have I learned something, right? Not only have I enjoyed this conversation, but then on top of that, let's say if even five people listen to the show, those five people will probably take something away from it. So that's what I think a grounded optimist is. It's like in the back of my mind, I know there's a very like pretty low chance of this like ever becoming anything close to like let's say the Rogan experience obviously a hope is there the hope is there right but it's not an expectation because obviously it's very unlikely but the point is that I can also say but that's not as important as all of these other positive things about it uh, yeah I'm in full agreement with you actually yeah yeah because for instance even if only one person watched the show mm -hmm. if something that we said mm -hmm. either you or I or both or whatever or one of our guests or something like that actually changed or helped somebody in their own personal life mm -hmm. that to me is a big deal mm -hmm. 
the fact that also that we were doing it on the internet mm -hmm. is good because that means that the amount of people that you could potentially help mm -hmm. as opposed to kind of locally like say okay by the way I preface to this is I totally think that uh, therapy is amazing and all and that's it therapy is amazing better. for sure <laughs> yeah so yes however how interesting is it that uh, there are times that when you're speaking there's people like, say we had a, a video with let's say 150 views or mm -hmm. something like that mm -hmm. and um, out of those 150 people let's say uh, just for fun, I, I don't even know how to quantify this, but let's say 70 people mm -hmm. were influenced by you. Mm -hmm. You just literally, it's not the same thing as a session, mm -hmm. right? Because it's not personal, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. But how interesting is that, that the amount of people that you can impact mm -hmm. is increased when already you've made it your life's purpose to, to be a therapist. Mm -hmm. That's, that's just monumental, that's right? That's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... On one level, yes. If the idea is, yeah, we're trying to be the successful podcast, all yeah. that, and um, potentially, you know, there's these things that, like, you think that you should be thinking about when you make a podcast. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, like, do we monetize this? When do we monetize this? How do you do this kind of marketing? How do you do that? When all does that. Joe Rogan call us? When does Joe Rogan call <laughs> us, right? He's like, oh, he shaved his head. Okay. It's, it's time. He's yeah. ready. He's initiated. No, I'm just kidding. And... So, His people will reach out. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, there's another... He's joined the uh, the fold. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh -huh. But anyway, uh, whatchamacallit. Um, yeah, and that stuff is, is important. Um, I, su I suppose, like, to me, it's not so important. Mm -hmm. Even uh, the fact that we have... This is the 29th episode, mm -hmm. right? Realistically, it just this is my thought, I don't think we're supposed to have thousands of people right now listening. Unless... Unless... You're somebody like uh, Eric Weinstein, yeah. who, for instance, already... And this is not... He had other things that he's accomplished, for sure. Mm -hmm. But the fact that he was on Rogan already, right. and then when he has his own podcast, of course, his first show is going to be like 200,000 people. And Sammy Harris, yeah. Hell yeah. Really? So, like, barring cases like that, it's a journey, mm -hmm. right? So the pessimistic view could be like, well... Um, after the first five episodes, it didn't do so well. We didn't have that many people. Mm -hmm. The quality is shit. Uh, the, this, there's an echo here. Mm -hmm. There's that. We should stop, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And then we could have stopped. Mm -hmm. But if we did, let's say we stopped at episode five. Crazy. Who the hell... You know, like for example, having Emmy on, mm -hmm. personally, I loved. I, I love all our, all our guests, by the way. Keith Frankish, uh, Napoleon, mm -hmm. um... Emily recently. Yeah. Uh, really, I would just name all of them right now. The reason I'm not is just because yeah. of just... I'm just trying to give an example here. Mm -hmm. But, like, the kinds of people that we met mm -hmm. and had conversations with mm -hmm. or, or just interviewed... Yeah. Come yeah, on, right. You know, if we had stopped with a pessimistic view, mm -hmm. where, you know, there's, there's, there's benefits to it. Like... One, it's benefits to the people who are listening, mm -hmm. but also just even if you want to be selfish about it, mm -hmm. how cool is it that you get to like interact with this level of person, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You shouldn't be ideally selfish. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, if you if you try to just find all these little things mm -hmm. that, that are interesting about like what we're doing, yeah, yeah there's that. And then also uh, to be, the way I think about it is, is that it's a long-term process, mm -hmm. right? 
So in that sense, you can argue that's that's optimistic, right? Yeah. Just I think it's about just you kind of just do the work. Yeah. Um, you think about offering value. Uh, you think about like uh, what's the person listening? Like what are they getting out of this? Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's that's really the, what should be the main concentration. And then all these little other variables feel so distracting to me. Mm-hmm. They're important, but I feel like they they just like mess with the ability to produce. Like, for example, like, oh, how many views did we get? Mm-hmm. Like, it's good. Like, I think it's important. I think, here's the thing. Here, here's why I think, it, okay, so for example, our partnership, right? I feel like there are certain things that I contribute and there's certain things that you contribute that when combined, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's interesting. It creates like an emergent mm-hmm. that is more than the sum of its parts, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Sorry, more than each individual part. Yeah, it, no. the, the sum is something greater than what you would think would be the... You technically said that. I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, what was I going for there? Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so... I th- and also, I, I think I like that, for example, sometimes, let's say, uh, not to get too specific, but let's say one of us is not uh, happy with, like, uh, the current trajectory, mm-hmm. right? That's actually not so bad because maybe one person is going into their uh, like a pessimistic side of the spectrum, yeah. And then we start to actually think like, what can we do mm-hmm. to improve the quality? Not necessarily stop, but yeah. then we start to think like, what action can you take to alter the trajectory that we're mm-hmm. on? And I think that that's that's one thing that's amazing about pessimism is that it can kind of push you to take action sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because if you think that everything's not going so well, that's all yeah. yeah, then mm-hmm. you start to think, what can I do to make it go well? Right. Instead of this optimistic view of, for example, let's say that view that I'm touting where I'm like, no, it's just a long-term process. We just keep doing it, hammering at it. Right. And I think there's truth to it. That's true. It's not wrong, mm-hmm. but there's this other side to it that adds this element of taking different sorts of actions right, right, right. that may not that might be a blind spot to that optimistic view. Yeah, because if the optimistic, I think what you're saying is that if the optimist says to him or herself that like, oh, well, things are going great, right? And we should just continue things as they are. There won't be any significant change or potential, obviously, significant change. Yeah, for instance, um, you can't tell right now, the audience can't tell, but we have another camera here. Uh, we all could see it, right? Mm-hmm. And so, for instance, the next time that we're going to be having a Skype feed with somebody, They'll actually be able to see us. And we always t- they they actually I don't know if anyone knows this is watching. They can never see us. They can only hear us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be like a little change. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing: like uh, for me, I, like I didn't think about getting that um, piece of equipment. Right? Yeah. This is real. I, I didn't think about getting it because I was thinking everything's fine the way it is. Mm-hmm. It long term process. You know, you don't need to. I mean, I didn't think you don't need to improve something, mm-hmm. but it's very slow in that. Oh, yeah. But then, whereas you're like, no, I mean, hey, let's let's upgrade this. Let's let's do that. Let's add this functionality. Let's let's see if we can do this or that. Right. It kind of it does something. It does something interesting as well, mm-hmm. and it has its own value. So I don't think being optimistic uh, all the time, or at least like higher on that optimistic spectrum, yeah. is always as valuable as you would think. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, I would recommend, for, uh, here's the thing, I don't ever say like be the pessimist, mm-hmm. but I think it's always good to have a pessimist around you mm-hmm. because it sort of grounds you in reality, mm-hmm. right? So, I hear you. 
Depends. Any? You have to kind of see with you know where this agrees with your own common sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like for anyone listening, maybe yeah, you'd you'd have to kind of sift through what we're saying and kind of see how it. Yeah, right. How it goes with your own common sense, right? Right, and I think yeah. maybe even so the like I think a great I don't know if it's a takeaway necessarily, but a great idea for me that comes from this is sort of calibrating one's expectations, right? So I think a lot of times the sort of optimist expects too much from the work that they've put in, and then the ex uh, the pessimist essentially expects like no kind of outcome from the work they've put in, where they feel hopeless. Again, we're talking about two extremes, right? And so interesting. Really, that's interesting. Yeah, I would have said the opposite. What? I would have said that the well, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess yeah, you're right. Like, I feel like the optimist would also be like, hey, if it's not going so well, oh, it's just it, it's because of this or because of that, and then we need to change this. So I hear you, and I think that that's more toward the realistic side of the spectrum or the realistic middle. Yeah, I hear you. So I'm talking about the extreme sort of, I guess... Uh, and now I don't want to really use this term, delusional optimist, right? Mm-hmm. The one who was like, everything is going to be great. Like, life is just... Like, you know, you have people who are like... Because you'd have a blind spot yeah, 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 anything yeah. not going So, like, you know how, like, people say, like, oh, things will just work themselves out. And it's like, no, man, nothing is going to work itself. Like, if you don't actually do something, somebody else is just going to make a decision for you. Could work out or could not, but the point is that it's not necessarily going to work out just because you decide to you know, wash your hands of it. So, what I find a lot of times is that we have to really calibrate our expectations to reality. So, so it's like for somebody who's pessimistic, right, they're saying to themselves essentially like my expectations are very low, right? No matter how hard I try, it's not going to go anywhere. This is the extreme. The other extreme is like, oh, like I don't really have to do that much. Things are just going to be wonderful, right? That's the kind of other extreme of optimism. And so there was this really great quote that I read from Sky Cleary's Twitter page and I wanted to read it to you because I don't know if you got a chance to see it, but it was so good, man. And I think we could have a really good conversation about this. So hold on, let me just... And then so she took it from... Okay, so this is from, okay, so this is not technically from her account. This is from a woman named Andrea Long Chu. And so she's pretty much, she's a writer for like the New Yorker. She writes for the Boston Review, New York Times Opinion, etc. So she says, right, so she wrote, Disappointment is not how it feels when the object of your attachment fails to give you what you want. Rather, disappointment is how it feels when you fail to detach yourself from the disappointing object. You ought to break up, but you don't. What's disappointing, in other words, is your own optimism. Your continued belief in the world's being enough for the desires that you tether to it, all evidence being to the contrary. Wow. Right? So she's pretty much saying that, like, for some people, they're so optimistic that they refuse to let go of the kind of the goals and the aspirations that they have. The reality is telling them, ain't gonna happen. Ain't gonna come true. So, like, you sometimes have people who are so delusionally optimistic where... So a good example of this is, let's say, you know, let's say a client walks in and they're like, hey, you know... Like I broke up with my, like let's say my girlfriend, right? So I broke up with my girlfriend, but I know we're going to get back together. It's like, okay, why do you think that? Oh, because she loves me. Why? Okay, why? Because, well, she told me many times in the past, right? Okay, so what's the recent evidence? Recent evidence says, hey, you know, look, things were really going great, but like, you know, because of the stuff that you said, some of the things that you've done, I'm no longer in love with you, right? And I obviously wish you the best and I want you to move on. So he says, no, I'm not going to move on, right? That's the sort of, you know, kind of delusional optimist. So he says, absolutely not. Why would I move on? She was in love with me. I'm not going to let that go. I have to fight for her, right? Mm -hmm. This whole fighting for thing. So evidence is telling you essentially that, no, 
you have to move on because your goals aren't going to come true. So somebody who's in the more realistic kind of, um, I guess, sphere, right, or in the middle of the spectrum, they would say, you know what, I'm going to calibrate my expectations to reality. So my expectation is now is that because I think, let's say I'm a decent looking guy, I have a reasonable amount of things to offer in a relationship. My expectation is I'm going to go and find someone else, right? And I'm not going to be maybe as much of a dick as I was before with her. So the kind of unrealistic and delusional optimist would say like, no, 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 my expectation is that I'm going to be with her. So it's like reality is telling you absolutely not. Like you cannot be that optimistic in this sort of sense in mm -hmm. this relationship because everything is telling you, no, stop it. So one of two things is going to happen with this person. So either they're going to continue in their kind of delusion, right? And they're going to say, no, I'm going to keep fighting for it and have like these moments of sadness because eventually, eventually you, your mind like realizes you're not getting what you want. Or eventually they break, unless, let me not say there are only two, because technically there could be some sort of realistic thinking eventually, right? But the two sort of extremes that occur are on the one hand, these people continue in their pursuits, and even despite the sadness, the little sort of pangs of sadness that come up, because they understand they're not getting what they want, they still continue. They're like, no, they're going to be stubborn in it. But then you have another kind of end of the spectrum, which says, like, I'm just going to give up now altogether, right? Like, I'm not, now I'm, I feel devastated, right? There was this thing that I expected and I wanted, and I didn't actually get it right so the problem there was the expectation that this person expected this girl to take him back so regardless of what the evidence was saying there was a part of his mind that says no she loves me she's going to be back and then eventually if that realization does set and this person is heartbroken and devastated not because of anything that happened because I mean she already broke up with him right I mean she kind of told him and if he accepted reality we could have said hey you know like I mean I kind of knew what was going on but he was so devastated because his expectation was to get back with her and obviously in a way that's a defense of the kind of coping mechanism because one can even argue that he would have been devastated beforehand if he really accepted that she was breaking up with him. So he was like sort of kicking the can down the, the road, right? So, but the point is that there are some people that are so optimistic, right? And it's just that they're like delusionally so and like um, it's counterproductive to their well-being because like I know I said earlier that you can kind of be an optimist. It's healthy sometimes to be an optimist in the sense of um, because it affects, let's say, your health. So you could definitely put that in the spectrum, right? Or rather that in this kind of like bucket mm -hmm. and you could say well you know technically what did he have to lose right he thought that she was going to get back with him and it made him happier knowing that this was going to happen yada yada so the point here is that the consequence of his like realization or right the consequence of like something wild that he could have done and gotten himself in trouble for is not worth the sort of sense of optimism that he felt right to prevent himself from feeling devastated so my kind of pretty much in a nutshell my major point is that a lot of times it's the expectations right from that optimistic thinking that become debilitating for us because we eventually kind of I think for the most part if not like I, mean, I think for the most part that we eventually realize that the things that we want are not going to happen right eventually I think like your brain kind of gets it like if I don't know he pursued this girl for like years he there had to have been a point where he would have said you know what maybe this isn't happening and now I'm feeling the devastation that he could have sort of felt before and if he had experienced that grief then what hopefully would have happened is that he would have gone through the process and then moved on to someone else. So like one side of optimistic thinking says, you know what, I guess, ooh, this is an interesting way of compartmentalizing it. So one form of optimism, optimism says, you know what, I expect myself to find someone because I'm good enough. And the other point of optimism says like, no, 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 I expect me to get back with her, right? Because she loves me. So it's like, on the one hand, you're like, I need her for my kind of own self-esteem. And then the other hand, you're like, no, no, I already feel good enough 
stuff. So I know if it's not her, it'll be somebody else. So it's just, I guess, different ways of kind of viewing optimism. And I guess if, I don't know, obviously what um, Seligman said about it, but this is the sort of way I can see it of going like really, really kind of wrong of like making or expecting the world to provide what you expect for it to give. Damn. Yeah. Cause it is all about managing expectations. Right. And, um, yeah, I suppose the, the grounded optimist mm-hmm. would be someone who would think along the lines of, oh, <clears throat> I can meet someone else. Right. I have a lot to offer. Yep. Things like that. Um, the other side of it, yeah, is that delusional sort of optimism where you think you're going to get back together with her and all that. And uh, honestly, while even listening to that story, mm-hmm. uh, just to even just detach from like what lesson we're just trying to learn from here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's so sad, man. That's so bad. I've been there. I'm sure you've been there too. Maybe. Um, oh, to some I, wait, I want to be honest with you on this one. Um, have I? Ye- <laughs> yes, I think I have. You know what the thing? I can't think of an example, but I'm going to say yes because you know what it is. My intuition is telling me I've definitely been there, but my brain can't think of examples. But I have to have. Yeah, so I've, I've definitely been there, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Oh man, it's it, I respect the struggle and the resilience. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there is something that kind of happens to your character mm-hmm. throughout that whole kind of process. I hear, I hear. Um, but damn, I feel bad for that dude. But yes, uh, <laughs> what is the lesson from here? It's important to manage your expectations. Sort of be able to look at all these sort of different sides. Look at look at facts as well. Yeah, and sort of kind of gauge. You know how how to. Um, what path to take moving forward. Right. Um, I would say, you know what was helpful for me to look at it in terms of likelihoods? Like what I would tell someone like that, I would say, okay, I mean, technically you're right, right? Is it possible that she'll get back with you? Absolutely. Technically it's true, right? It's a possibility. But how likely is it that she'll get back with you knowing what you know? And then maybe we can kind of quantify it as best as we can. So let's say if you were to say, well, there's a 10% chance. I'd be like, okay, so is the 10% chance worth this risk, right? Is the 10% chance worth you taking the risk of spending all of this time, right, pursuing her? and then potentially being devastated in the end anyway, right? Is that 10% worth it? Some people would say yes, some people would say no. And by the way, some people would be still so delusional where they say, oh no, it's 100%. She's definitely getting back with me. But then I'm like, okay, I guess it's time to reevaluate evaluate the evidence. It's, it's kind of, it kind of goes to that example too of where like if somebody is, um, see, again, there's nothing wrong with positivity. Yeah. Nothing wrong with optimism. But if somebody is uh, overly overly positive not necessarily overly optimistic but here's the thing say somebody kind of comes to you and they're expressing something that happened to them mm-hmm. and they don't feel so great mm-hmm. you're it's somebody who's coming from that overly optimistic overly positive side of things would find it very hard to empathize mm-hmm. with that person yes and that's probably where trying to find the balance between uh, pessimism and optimism is stressed. Like because if, wait, can you say more about that? Like, why would that person find it harder to empathize? Say okay. Say I told you um, a family member just died recently. Right. Like, and you say, "Oh man, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Death happens. <laughs> it's a natural part of life." Why are you sad about that? You have so much good in your life. Focus on that instead. Focus on that instead. Why do you care about... Look at how many people I care for you. Yeah. And also, you know, it happens. It happens. It's a normal thing. You know, it happens every day. You know how many people die every day? 
And like, and then to me, if I was, if I said that, and yeah. then somebody said that to me, mm-hmm. I mean, they're technically right, yeah. right? Is the is that person correct in what they just said? Sure. <laughs> yeah. But would that not feel like the most messed up thing yeah. ever uh-huh. when somebody kind of comes at you with that sort of right, right, right. attitude? <laughs> Yeah, and so there would be sort of this mismatch mm-hmm. in, in in the conversation between that person who's expressing this, maybe, for example, grief, right. and then this person who's relating from this very positive uh, perspective. Yeah. And here, and that's that's the thing. Like that's that's why it's important to sort of be able to uh, calibrate properly, mm-hmm. because to be optimistic is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's definitely good, mm-hmm. and it's going to serve you in most situations, uh, if not all situations, very well. Mm-hmm. But the ability to sort of um, measure where you should be coming from, depending on the situation, mm-hmm. is important. It, it definitely is. I, I also, uh, in that example with the guy who might be trying to get his girlfriend back... Right. You have to measure what's what is what are the facts of the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there really an opening for you guys to talk it out again, and then maybe something can come of that? Yeah. Or is this just delusional? It's coming from this need, from this lack, right. where you need to. Um, no, I must have this person. They told me before that they love me. It's uh, they said they said all these things to me before. Right. So it must still ring true, even even though they'll have a blind spot to this recent thing that occurred. Right. That in her mind is mm-hmm. just this glaring reason right. for why she's not with him. Yeah, this is an example. I don't know the facts of the case. No, it's not even real. Technically, it's something I just made up. Right? There you go. Yeah. So, um, but it happens. This no, is it, a fairly it common. It definitely does. And yeah. so it's interesting because, like, what that person would do in that scenario is they would just cherry pick information, right? So that's pure confirmation bias. So I already believe that she's going to get back with me. Why? Because she told me she loved me. She we had all of these great moments, you know, yada yada. So yes, all of those things are true, but you're not looking at the plethora of information. Sure, you're only focusing on the things that you want to focus on. Yeah, you're you're depending on uh, what mindset you have at the time, your thinking becomes very selective. Yeah. And then the measure to which you can have like a sort of balanced view on a situation is to the degree you can actually um, calibrate. Like actually like legitimately calibrate as opposed to sort of default to your I don't know how to put this so well. It's like I feel like I'm developing a thought right now. Mm-hmm. It's like if you default to a mindset that you usually have mm-hmm. um, without calibrating to a situation, mm-hmm. it may serve you, it may not serve you. Hence the importance of calibrating or if, if that's an, a word that maybe somebody's not familiar with who's listening, mm-hmm. adjusting. Yeah. Adjusting, calibrating, same thing. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I suppose that's 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 the biggest um, distinction in measuring the pros and cons of optimism and pessimism mm-hmm. is the ability to kind of calibrate along that spectrum yeah. if if you can think from both um, sides. Right. If if you can't, if somebody's dealing with optimism, just oh, sorry, if somebody is purely pessimistic, mm-hmm. then learning to be optimistic is valuable, right. and that's probably a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Somebody is overly optimistic. It would also be good to learn about being able to consider 
the pessimist point of view. I wouldn't say necessarily become a pessimist because it's, again, there's a lot of positive traits to... to and you technically can't, right? So it's just to sort of think more along the lines of a pessimist every once in a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess the nuanced thing to, uh, here is definitely it's calibration. Right. Depending on the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know what we do in... Uh, remember what I told you about the cognitive thought record? So we do um, like this question of like what's the worst that can happen? Like what's the best that can happen? That's technically from both ends, right? So the pessimist has this... Oh, so it's three questions technically. It's like what's the worst outcome? What's the best outcome? What's the likely outcome? So the person tries to consider it from all three spectrums. So they first go to the best, then they go to the worst, and then they're like, what's the likely outcome? Technically, it could be one of the two, right? But it's usually something in the middle. Mm. Yeah. You know, one thing I wanted to say about somebody who is uh, very optimistic. Mm-hmm. So you touched on this before. Say someone is, uh, uh, there's some sort of endeavor that they're pursuing, right? I, I don't remember if you said a specific example or not. But let's say somebody, okay, let's use podcasting as an example, uh-huh. right? So let's use both of us. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're pursuing podcasting. And um, <clears throat> so say we have a lot of um, uh, like certain metrics that mm-hmm. show us that there's no increase in viewership or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or if we change this, there was still no increase in uh, like if we change this sort of marketing, whatever, there was still no increase, all that, mm-hmm. right? And maybe somebody who's, uh, you know, objectively would say, you know, there's no change here. Mm-hmm. So why are you still doing what you're doing, mm-hmm. right? Isn't it delusional to be pursuing that mm-hmm. uh, course of action? Right. I, I would argue no, because you because even if it looks like that, you can't really know how, you can't predict the future, mm-hmm. right? And... If you did hinge your bets on, you know, still taking action, on still um, making attempts Mm -hmm. where there were failures before, Mm -hmm. I still say that even if it looks like nothing is going to happen, I still would argue that taking action in in that direction of as if something is going to happen Mm -hmm. will get you results that you never would have... Um, that you never could have predicted mm-hmm. uh, from the pessimistic mindset. Most definitely. So even if somebody is, uh, you used some kind of example before. I, I, it's like if somebody is delusionally optimistic, mm-hmm. where they think like they're going to succeed, even if all evidence points contrary right. to that. Mm-hmm. I would actually still because it's it's a very strange. This is a very strange area. It's I feel like I'm in. Right. But so. A lot of times what ends up happening with people who uh, undertake, like, let's say an entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. They're, for, they're starting their new business or they're starting their new whatever it is. And maybe their friends tell them, like, or a family, they're like, you shouldn't pursue this. Mm-hmm. Do the practical thing. Right. Uh, get a job. Get a this. Get a that. And I, by the way, those are all valid. I'm not saying they're not valid at all. Um and here's the thing it's, it's strange because you have to like gauge like sometimes people tell you things like that mm-hmm. one they care about you that's usually sometimes they're haters sometimes, sometimes they're haters mm-hmm. right and that's important to uh, make that distinction right. sometimes it's not even just that they're haters they might not even be a hater it might come off like they're hating mm-hmm. but it's just so outside of their reality mm-hmm. what it is that you want to do mm-hmm. that the advice that they give is just almost like a projection of what they think is 
the correct course of action. But they couldn't possibly know what is the correct course of action for you mm-hmm. because they couldn't possibly take all the variables that kind of make up who you are mm-hmm. into account in terms of pursuing something that is unknown to them. Yeah, so they project their own insecurity onto you. That's a hater. Not necessarily. I hear you. I hear you. It, it looks like that, mm-hmm. but not necessarily. Because I feel like you, when you assume that they're hating, mm-hmm. I feel like that adds something like a, a, a layer to your interaction with them mm-hmm. that may not necessarily be true. Also depends on what they say in your tone, by the way. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so somebody who's overly optimistic, I wouldn't tell them not to necessarily still do that. Mm-hmm. There, there might be a... Like what is it? A path. The path of excess leads to the palace of wisdom. I forgot what that quote. Yeah, I think the quote goes like that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a path, an extreme path, can give you results. Mm-hmm. So I would say, if somebody has like a goal that they're pursuing and everyone does not agree with them mm-hmm. in their goal, yeah, I think still that there there is something to somebody still pursuing it. Um, thinking that they can achieve it when everyone else disagrees with the fact that they can or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like there's something going... There's like a distinction to be made there. It's very nuanced. Um, I hear you. So So, interestingly enough, in psychology, it's also the same thing, by the way. We can't like always know when somebody's being delusional or not. So that's the thing. So sometimes like stuff happens where somebody will tell you some like wild story and then it'll actually turn out to be true. But the point is, is just that it's rare, right? So in terms of likelihoods, if somebody does tell us something outlandish, we kind of tend to assume that it's probably not true, but we don't, we keep like a little bit of an open mind and say, okay, technically we can be wrong. So it's, I would say the same thing. Here in terms no, of that's it. if you're a level headed. Yeah, of yeah. course. If you're going to be a level headed thinker about it, of course. Right. But I'm just saying like, cause you, somebody might get feedback. Mm-hmm coming from that overly optimistic sort of uh, point of view that um, almost tells, almost kind of tells them to like kind of to stop what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm not in agreement with, I'm not in agreement with that, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's definitely a complicated area because you you can even tell from my uh, hesitation here, because on one level, I almost want to tell somebody like, no, you want to be level headed. Mm -hmm. Another level, it's like, Hey, am I not? Am I telling somebody to think like me? Right. Or, I don't. So here's the thing. That. That's true, and you know what's also interesting. So it's like technically, if you kind of also think about it, because evidence is also, I guess, a lot of times uncertain. So it's easy for one person, I guess, to say to themselves. You know what, based on like everything that I know that it's unlikely for this course to, let's say, come to fruition, right? So it's like, for me, it's not worth the risk. But then maybe somebody else says like, no, you should try anyway. And I really believe that you can do it. And so I know what the evidence says, but just just still try. Like for whatever reason, I don't know. But then the person still says to themselves, like, I don't want to do it, right? So they don't. But then somewhere down the line, they're convinced. They're like, you know what, whatever, screw it. I don't really have much else to lose, right? It is what it is. You know, I have nothing better going on. So they try this thing and then it sort of comes out that like, oh shit, like this really turned into something special. So this sort of the kind of delusional optimist was was right, right? But that's only because this other person sort of had incomplete information of, you know, based on which to analyze whether or not to take a certain amount of, not a certain amount, to whether or not to take a certain path. So here's the thing, like, I guess in terms of being a rational, logical thinker, we always so have to accept it's quite possible that the person that we take to be a delusional optimist can obviously be right that whatever he or she says can actually turn out to be true because even though we can try to be as logical as possible we never have complete information to know where something will go yeah yeah plus there's other there are other 
dynamics at play. Yeah. For instance, if somebody yeah, we don't know all the variables. Yeah. Plus, if somebody is, uh, I mean, one of the traits of somebody who's optimistic is is confidence. Right. And if somebody's very confident in what it is that they're saying to you, mm-hmm. depending on how they present it is what it, what it is that they're saying, mm-hmm. you may actually accept it as truth because a lot of times if somebody sounds confident, mm-hmm. we tend to believe what it is that they're saying. Right. And it may be one of those cases where like, uh, I forgot what that quote is, uh, am I butchered a little bit? But it's like, I don't want to be a product of my environment, I want my environment to be a product of me. Mm-hmm. So maybe sometimes that person who's still uh, delusionally optimistic mm-hmm. can actually get into like crazy results mm-hmm. as well yeah. so it's 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 rough because it, it it's a very like situation based sort of a thing mm-hmm. um they may even be able to influence things right right even even if they're wrong mm-hmm. if they get enough people to be compliant mm-hmm. or kind of go with what it is that they're saying yeah so I think maybe the main takeaway of what we're saying is that you should at least keep somewhat of an open mind to say that, look, I, based on my risk assessment, I think that like X either will or will not happen, right? And maybe there's, let's say, a 90% chance that it will or will not happen. But then we also have to take into consideration that we don't have all of the information necessary. And there's whatever amount of possibility, obviously, but there's some chance, which might even increase over time with your endeavor, right? Like technically for us with the podcast, our sort of the chances of this becoming something special has increased, right? In the beginning, we kind of started out with just us and then we have like then we got a guest here or there and then we got more guests and now people are reaching out to us which is like wild and like holy shit right so it's like if you think about it so like even though our chances aren't great they're like literally increasing kind of like by the week at least for me it's wild like Mm -hmm. uh, I'll be honest with you my my expectations when we started this Mm -hmm. were just more like here's what I thought I thought okay so we're gonna do this okay all right Uh, then uh, then I was thinking Okay, so we just do the work, we mm-hmm. offer value, that's all got to concentrate on, because otherwise, I didn't know what other variables to kind of hold in my head. Mm-hmm. I was just like, let's just do this, do the best we can, yeah. and that's it, right? Mm-hmm. Then all these things started happening, right, that I never would have expected. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, I, I definitely wasn't, um, I was optimistic in the sense that I believed in long-term work mm-hmm. and a, a discipline to... Uh, at least doing the work, doing the show, all that, mm-hmm. and being consistent. Right. In that sense, I was optimistic. But I never imagined like uh, the level of guests that we would have had or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Even still to this day, I don't even know how much I really think about like I think the show is already special. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. I'm not like thinking in my head like I want more views or all that because actually, to be honest. There's a part of me that's kind of like, I don't, there's a part of me that almost doesn't, it's probably because I'm just not used to this reality where, where I'm just like, I don't know if I want that many views, <laughs> right? But that's just more of an, that's a more of an insecure sort of a thing mm-hmm. as opposed to like, uh, what I actually want. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, the real purpose is f- impact as many people as possible with information that's not so mainstream Mm -hmm. and there are people who are doing that Mm -hmm. but apparently not enough yeah apparently and from what i listen to i think we offer like other types of value than other people do so like yeah like i think like we like with rogan and let's say with silva um who else is there well, so it's like obviously scott barry kaufman right so like these different people i think like when i listen to their shows 
it's not so much that we talk about different things. I think we're in line in terms of the themes that we cover. Like, like I don't know, I guess whatever, you know, kind of happiness, um, optimal thinking, etc. But I think that we provide additional value in those sort of contexts, which is, I think, really cool. Sure. Mm-hmm. And if anything, here's the thing. If one thing I learned is there are certain people you resonate with who you choose to listen to, mm-hmm. right? There may be another person who says essentially the same thing mm-hmm. that Rogan says or Silva says mm-hmm. or uh, Aubrey Marcus, whatever, yeah. all that. Mm-hmm. But there's for some reason, there's a reason that I would like to, sorry, that I gravitate to whoever it is I gravitate to mm-hmm. because it's just something about them is more relatable mm-hmm. or, or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure the fact that we're doing it, we have our own sort of... Um, something that someone else can resonate with yeah you know what's so cool man i just i literally just realized this i actually had a breakthrough literally in the moment while you were saying that wow like in terms of so we we're like so focused on and i guess this is kind of my counter idea if whatever you can call it that so as you were saying that like you know we kind of provide a lot of value for people then i started thinking about the things that we talked about right so because my brain goes like in a million directions then i started thinking about like when we talked about that dating episode right and just going out and doing stuff and when i was like oh yeah you know like if you just go get rejected which is what you should want to do right eventually you're not going to feel anxious so then i started thinking about our first episodes when we were when i was like super anxious and when you could tell in my voice dude so here's my breakthrough this is the first episode in the, what is this, 29 episodes that we've done? Like, and I just noticed this now. I felt zero anxiety throughout the whole show. Oh, hell yeah. Crazy. Like, it actually worked. Like, you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it, and then eventually you're like, yeah. I would say same here. Yeah. Uh, I did, okay, so uh, just a little background info for everyone listening. Mm-hmm. I have this thing I do where sometimes before we start, mm-hmm. I'll do this, like, cough thing. Yeah. It's just some kind of thing where I'm like, like, I'm just ready to... I know something's about to happen and all that. So maybe I had that right before starting, but mm-hmm. actually, like throughout the whole process, very uh, smooth. Mm-hmm. I, I did notice that that like whenever we do have uh, most of the time, once we're already doing the action, yeah, all all the sort of uh, anything extra mm-hmm. like anxiety or whatever goes away. Mm-hmm. I tend to actually not really have it unless it depends. Depends on the subject of the show Mm -hmm. and if I have something to contribute or not. If I don't, I'm like... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm like, ah. And I'm like, Leon. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but whatchamacallit. um, But yeah, for the most part, like, you're pretty okay. No, 100%. Yeah, yeah, for me, I'm actually not. So that's why, like, for me, I'm like, holy shit, I actually did not feel anxious at all. You know what's hilarious? I can't believe I'm admitting this, but I'll admit it, sure. So now you said in the beginning you were more nervous. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, I was less nervous, actually. (laughs) I was not nervous at all. I'd actually be like, I was like, no, 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 this will be good. (laughs) I I used to be that guy, Mm -hmm. remember? I used to be like, no, this is going to be a good episode. Everything's going to be great Mm -hmm. and all that. And then what happened is there's like the shift that sort of took place. Mm-hmm. Like as we started getting more and more guests, right. then you started being more comfortable. <laughs> yeah. and I started to be like, uh, <laughs> wait, what are we talking about today? History? Okay. <laughs> Shit. Uh, I guess this is one where I'll ask questions because I don't really have... Actually, maybe I did have something to contribute at that time. But whatever, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like there's these things you think about before a certain guest comes on. And by the way, the questions are great contributions too. 
No, 100%. Right, because you literally steered the dialogue in a certain direction. Like, with Keith, technically, you and I were in the same boat, man. So, with him, I had, like, very little I could sort of ask and say. But the point was that I think, if not necessarily in terms of, like, the value we provided, which I think we did because the questions I thought were important, but they were, like, indirect value. So, based on our questions, he had, you know, these really, like, kind of long kind of form answers, right? And these really detailed answers. So, through our questioning, you know, he provided the answers and then we indirectly provided value. You. so i think you do that a lot of times too so it's no, like you know, absolutely. You, yeah uh, and also just conversation will just sort of generate yeah based on so in the very beginning you don't know where it's going to go mm-hmm. but then once you start kind of going with it someone will say something usually mm-hmm. that sort of kind of sparks something in you to contribute yeah. it's just it's so bef- coming into it beforehand you don't know that that's going to happen mm-hmm. so you kind of got to just trust that the conversation will be good mm-hmm. right so that's just, you know, behind the scenes of podcasting yeah. as far as that goes. Damn. I don't know. I think that's a great place to... Yeah. Yes. So just, I, I know, I know. We're like an hour and 17 in. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. But then could we end it with this? Sure. Uh, what would you say to someone or what would you suggest to someone who's coming from a very pessimistic sort of mm-hmm. uh, mindset? Like, how do you think that they could develop... Um, optimism Ooh, so i have this great quote which is I, it's from neil degrasse tyson but it's technically he i forgot where he got it from i think he took it from voltaire or something so the quote is that science is science and facts are facts regardless of whether you believe them or not so that's usually kind of a wake-up call for people like wait holy shit like maybe i'm not seeing reality as i kind of as it is right so the thing is nobody wants to be pessimistic which is really great so the, the point is that when people struggle with severe depression they think that they're thinking it was realistic which is why I really, really dislike when people say, oh, well, haven't you seen the studies? Depression is linked to realistic thinking. I'm like, no, no, it's not. It's more nuanced than that. Mild depression is linked to realistic, more realistic thinking, right? So the point is that when somebody says that, like, when they tell you that they're pessimistic or whatever, they kind of give you all of these, like, really terrible beliefs about themselves, about life, right? They literally think they're being realistic, right? So when I say that, when I use that quote, they're like, wait, why are you telling me that? And I say, well, I'm just telling you that reality is what it is right and so they're like but i believe what's real i'm like no from the sound of what you're telling me it sounds pretty pessimistic and then they say no no it's realistic i'm like okay would you like to actually examine the evidence and they would say well maybe i don't need to right and then i would say okay so but then you don't really actually agree with the quote right because what he's actually implying is that the evidence itself is what's important apparently not so much to you Mm -hmm. and then they would say get defensive no no, let's do it let's examine it so kind of from that yeah Yeah. thank you (laughs) so from that quote you kind of get this person to examine their lives hopefully from a more objective standpoint right we're like no no no, i'm i'm dedicated to the truth so naturally as people like if if not by our actions at least in our thinking we believe that we're dedicated to the truth we want to be dedicated to the truth nobody wants to live in the matrix right and this is a whole episode in itself most people don't want that right most people want to be in reality and see reality as it is so the problem is pessimists actually believe that is a reality as it is so what you would do with that kind of let's say with a person engaged and mostly engaged in that type of thinking is you would say okay like let's say let's see what it is right if your reality is right let's kind of try to examine it and go from there obviously there's a there could be a whole slew of defenses after this i'm not saying it's that simple obviously even while you examine the evidence they could find ways to deny the evidence and they could even sort of say that oh i don't need to obviously examine the evidence because i already have which i said before right the point is there are definitely complications that could come up with this and it's not that simple but that's where i would start off Hmm. um if i 
had anything to contribute as far as like if somebody wants to like make that shift from pessimism to optimism mm -hmm. or even just to learn sort of more about uh, the traits of pessimism i would definitely recommend uh, martin seligman's book mm -hmm. uh, learned optimism how to change your mind and your life mm -hmm. um to be fair uh just honestly i actually did not read the book mm -hmm. uh it might have sounded like i did it definitely did <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, no, I watched some uh, YouTube videos uh, when I was looking up um, the traits of pessimism and optimism, mm -hmm. and um, his book came up a lot, mm -hmm. and also I did listen to him speak as well, different TED Talks as well, oh, and gotcha. also related to positive psychology, mm -hmm. so if anyone wants to check out um, either his book, or kind of like what I did, check out some videos on YouTube, it's definitely out there, so you know. Please check it out. Yeah, and be sure, guys, if you have any ideas or thoughts and kind of experiences of being either optimistic or pessimistic, leave us a comment in this, what is it, YouTube, YouTube comment section below. Absolutely. So, guys, that ends the episode. Uh, remember to uh, follow us at Seize the Moment Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Seize underscore podcast on Twitter. Um, hit the bell, yes. subscribe, <laughs> and yeah, we'll see you next time.